The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Good morning, everyone. You found Financial Food for Thought. We've got Mark Donnelly and Carrie Waddell. Carrie, tax time, right? Well, actually mm-hmm. not because we got the extension to well, May 17th. Well, it 17th. is. I was going to say it's a longer tax time. But first quarter estimates still due Which April is ridiculous. 15, which we'll talk about today. How, not, how, not that the tax code is ridiculous, Carrie, but right. we'll talk about... So, how can I possibly know what I need on my estimated tax for the first quarter if I don't even have my taxes done? Hmm. Hmm. So is there a solution? Yeah, there. We'll I'm sure there is. That. Coordination of advisors. Here. So this is financial food for thought. Um, but the other thing too is, who is the tax man these days, Carrie? Now we take Georgia, and then we change America. No doubt about what he wants to do, Carrie. So, you know, last week on this show, I had talked about how Senate leader Chuck Schumer was requesting the Senate parliamentarian to uh, to take his, you know, I guess his understanding or, or interpretation of the law that we all thought restricted budget res, you know reconciliations to once per year carry you know they, right. you know that they, that they can do something with only having the majority vote not the three-fifths majority the 60 votes normally required for a big long you know longer than 10 year or big tax revenue and so you know that's how they got the 1.9 arpa bill passed right carry they did mm-hmm. it you know with just 50 votes and and kamala harris playing the tiebreaker and then but the idea of the next one, you know, the infrastructure plan, right? The American Jobs Act, which is another, you know, potentially two point two five trillion. You know, the idea was they're they want to they're going to have to raise taxes. See, the, there were no tax increases for the ARPA bill. That was just helicopter. That's just printing money, right? But they said we can't keep doing that. So I, I, most people agree with that. You just can't print money forever, right? So you need some, you know, re, you need to pay go. You need to pay, and so. But the idea was the Republicans are not open to a lot of tax increases right now. Mm-hmm. You, you know, including by the way, raising corporate taxes, which was basically President Trump's signature, you know, movement mm-hmm. to lower the corporate tax rate. So they're not too anxious to increase the corporate tax rate, especially in a Rona recovery recession. Right, because right. if you increase the corporate tax rate, that affects all of us consumers. It affects jobs. It affects all kinds of things. And we can debate on about that, right. you know, for the next five days. But um, but the idea is, but what Chuck Schumer would did an end around, you know, he was saying, well, they they used the budget reconciliation to pass the one point nine trillion. And now he's saying we learned that, well, because of the Rona shutdown, somehow they got a second one that they can use this year. Mm. OK. And but now he asked the parliamentarian to say, why? Why are we limited at all? What? So without getting into the weeds, um, the parliamentarian gave him the green light this week to run what I call the, you know, Schumer's blue light special. Yeah. Just spend, spend, spend. Mm, consequence, consequence. Um, and, consequence. you know, and you, and we'll be able to do this without re- what without restrictions? Consequence? Um, well, without, res- you know, without the restriction of having to have three fifths vote in the Senate. Um, now, 
So we'll we'll uh, so you know it, it's but but it may still not be it's you know but I guess care what I'm saying is it's not the same thing as busting the filibuster. Okay, he, he, they did not do that. You know, the, the, they don't have enough votes to throw out the filibuster. So this was Chuck Schumer's way, kind of like I call it an end around, where he's saying, well, maybe we can't do that. Now, again, how many of these budget you know, reconciliation bills, well, are they going to get try to get passed before the 2022 midterm elections? Mm. Right? Because if they if, quite a few, I'm guessing you think. Um, so, you know, are you, so now there are a lot of taxpayers saying, hmm, are some of those democratic progressive tax agendas going to be put forward? Mm. Um, and you know, we'll talk about that. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, does, you know, (laughs) are the Democrats still going to try to reach across the aisle to get bipartisan support mm, good luck. for some of these. I don't think they're going to do that, mm. no matter how much President Biden says that's what he wants to do. Yeah. I mean, quite frankly, now you understand why on this show for decades I've been saying the president doesn't have a whole lot of pull when it comes to tax law changes. Mm-hmm. It's the Senate and the House, obviously, right. but the Senate is key. Right. Um, and so right now, it, you know, it's it's not. Joe Biden, who was the most important figure in determining whether or not your taxes are going to go up. It's quite frankly, not even Chuck Schumer, the Senate leader. It's really Joe Manchin, who is one of the centrist Democrats in the Senate who keeps saying, hey, I am not for corporate tax increases. I am not for breaking the filibuster. And I'm, I don't like this idea that we try to get all this done with a simple 50 vote majority and Kamala as the tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. Now, um, so and, and, and actually, I would almost make an argument that maybe Mitch McConnell, who lost his leadership when when you heard in the beginning when, you know, they took Georgia, right? And then and then Schumer was saying, is this what he meant? Schumer was saying by now we take the world. Um, it was this all pre-planned that he, he had this up his sleeve that he would buy budget reconciliation, even though they are only going to have 50 seats, they'd get everything done. They wanted to get done in that and before the midterm elections. I don't know. I don't know if he's that smart. Maybe he is. But the idea is, you know, really is, is um, you know, Cocaine Mitch going to actually have more power than um, than Schumer right now if there is any attempt at a bipartisan? Because, you know, Mitch has got, you know, if there's going to be any Republicans along, you know, it's going to have to come from Mitch's leadership, right? But, um, but again, so, no, I don't really think, though, that the Democrats are going to really try to get bipartisan support. They're done with that, right? Now, even though President Biden is saying a lot of these, you know, things are negotiable, you know, remember this week Biden said, he said, well, maybe, you know, I mean, maybe Biden got wind that there's not going to be a whole lot of Republicans who are going to vote for a corporate income tax increase. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, So he kind of he kind of backpedaled on the 28 percent. He said, well, maybe, you know, maybe it's 25 percent. Do I hear 24, Carrie? You know, I mean, but but the idea is. But what Biden said was, I'm willing to uh, negotiate on some of the tax increases. What I'm not willing to do is to do nothing. Because, you know, as we've been saying on this radio show, they've been talking about an infrastructure plan for a long, long time. Remember, President Trump w- 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 was right. running on that. Right. Um, well, and we and long all- before President Trump. And if you're, and if you're, gonna, if you're not going to do infrastructure planning when you have zero interest rates, I don't, quite frankly, I don't know when you're going to do it. Well, then sometimes we have more pressing issues, I think. Right. But so what but I do think what the Democrats are going to do is um, they are going to really try to reach and grab what I call the crazy eights. You okay. remember that card game, Carrie, the crazy eights? Yeah, I love that I love game. love that game. I, I, um, played it a few times. I played right? it in the last year. Really? Yeah, with yeah. my kids. Do you still cheat and win on your kids? Or no. No. Okay. No. I'm... Um, all right. But, you know, the, the idea is, so who are the crazy eights? Those are the eight Democrats, for example, who voted against the $15 minimum wage. Okay. okay. And I think it's these eight that... Why are they called crazy? 
Uh, that's my term, Carrie. Oh, okay. I was going to say. Don't repeat that. To, you know. I was going to say, I don't know. Maybe that's a good thing. I'm just saying, no, I, I think that the progressive left think they're crazy for not going along with their plans. Oh, okay. Well, in this world, it seems like things are upside down. So crazy is good, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's just how I remember them, the crazy okay. eights. You know, um, but, you know, so obviously the first three everybody knows about, you know, Joe Manchin, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, out of West Virginia. Then you've got Kristen Cinema, right, you know, from uh, the Arizona and then John Tester, you know, from Montana. So those three are the ones who've really been saying, hey, we're not for breaking the filibuster, you know, but then you have these other five. Now, the fourth one is Angus King. Now, technically, Angus is independent, right? But he caucuses with the Democrats. So he's he voted no against the, the um, $15 minimum wage. So we'll see with that. Then the other four, it's interesting, Carrie. It's there's some there's some, uh, you know, planned, you know, coordination there. So the two senators from New Hampshire. Gene Shaneen and Margaret Hassan, I think her name is, um, both senators from New Hampshire, both Democrats, both, you know, both voted against the $15 minimum wage. Then you've got Delaware, you know, Joe Biden, you know, Delaware, the two senators from Delaware, Tom Caper and Chris Coons, both of them voted against the $15 minimum wage. So it's these eight that, you know, and again, the Democrats really can't afford to lose any one of them. Because now, unless they get some Republican support. So I think, um, so if you're watching, you know, I don't listen to what um, President Biden says about breaking the filibuster. I don't listen to what Kamala Harris says about breaking the filibuster. I don't listen to Barack Obama when he started it all by saying, you know, it's a Jim Crow relic, right? You know, what? who I'm listening to are those crazy eights. And to see if they're giving any indication that they're going along with this Democratic progressive tax agenda push forward. All right. Well, regardless of that, you know, today more than ever, I think people need to be proactive when it comes to their financial life. And you've tuned into the right place today. We're Financial Food for Thought. We're here every Saturday morning on 1420 AM between 9 and 10. And we're here to give you financial news and hopefully strategies and concepts and issues that you may not be aware of so that you can realize there's so much you can control in a world that you can't. And if you're concerned about things like future tax increases and all this government spending, um, it's important to be as proactive as possible about your financial life. Well, this show is sponsored by the estate planning team. The estate planning team is a fee-based fiduciary planning firm um, that's been around more than 35 years in the greater Cleveland area, helping families and individuals and business owners solve problems, know what they should do um, in times, good and bad times, what steps they should take, what strategies they should implement, and using objective analysis and making recommendations that's in our client's best interest to accomplish their long-term financial goals and what things they need to do to create um, future tax-efficient income, which is, again, even more important if you're in the camp that thinks tax rates are going to go up and addressing financial issues, concerns, financial disruptors, whether it be market volatility, premature death of a spouse, long-term care, um, and all these other issues. And before you run out and get something you don't need or a product or, or change a strategy, how about looking at or getting that objective analysis first to figure out what you really need and then before you uh, and get something? Because there's multiple solutions to solve a problem and it's important to look at what's the appropriate solution today, in the future, and at passage. And those are things that we do. Um, the estate planning team, again, who sponsors this program, um, is accredited members of the Better Business Bureau and A-rated and Super Service Award winners multiple years on Angie's list. And we offer a free consultation for people who want to know how our process is different, if you can benefit. I said we're fee-based. We have both affordable hourly and affordable comprehensive retainer fees for people who need a little bit or a lot of help. And the free consultation can be done by phone or in person to see if we can do anything for you. And if you provide um, information ahead of time, we'll actually run some preliminary analysis. And you're probably going to see things you haven't done before. Even people who've done some of the online rough plans still are surprised and can give value and still hire us maybe on a limited basis. Um, And if we can't help you, we'll let you know. Take advantage of a free consultation. You know, again, there are opportunities and there are plenty of opportunities in 2021. And many people don't realize maybe there's things you want to do this year because it may impact taxes in the future. And you can call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Leave a message. We'll get back to you on Monday. That's 
239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. The website has information on newsletters, which I do blast out summaries on any of these tax law changes and other helpful information. Hopefully in the fall, we'll get classes back on the schedule or you can tune into our podcast if, you've, uh, if you don't tune in every week. And that's financialfoodforthought.com. And you're listening to Carrie Waddell and I have Mark Donnelly here this morning. All right. Thanks, Carrie. So, so yeah, so on this radio show program last year, you know, months before the November election, I proposed the question, should we start seriously considering a progressive Democratic tax agenda being pushed forward? And then when Joe Biden won the presidential election, we talked more about it. And then when the Democrats won both the Georgia runoff seats, we talked more about it. And we will continue to talk about it. But, you know, now that Schumer had got his blue light special, you know, going, it's still not breaking the filibuster. It's not the same thing. And as long as we have these, you know, eight somewhat centrist Democrats who are saying, hey, I'm not going along with that, you know, we'll see what happens. So any of the things that, you know, that you've heard or read about, you know, you've got um, you, you know, you've got the, you know, the getting rid of the step up and basis rules and, and rolling back the federal state tax exemptions and increasing the capital gains tax. And, you know, all these very progressive, you know, ta- you know, the, 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 the net worth tax, I could go on and on. I, we're, they're not happening yet. Okay. Um, and, and quite frankly, you know, whether even those could get done under the budget reconciliation, I don't know. But as long as we've got some of these Democrats are saying, well, no, that we, we need bipartisan you know, support for major you know, changes that would, you know, going forward. So we'll see what happens. Um, so I do want to talk here. I'm going to talk about estimated tax payments, right? I already try. I always try to do this about once a quarter because those, mm-hmm. are, you know, corresponding to the four quarterly estimated tax due dates. And the reason I do that is because, you know, ha- helping Cleveland families, which we've been doing for over 35 years, we realize that a lot of people, when they come to us for the first time, they really don't have a concept of what estimated tax is all about. You know, you know it's easy because when they're working, they, they are not making quarterly estimates anyways, for the most part, right. because there's just enough withholding going on from their paychecks. Now, some of them who are self-employed uh, may be used to getting estimated taxes, but it's really or another, and you know, but it's really just something that their tax preparer told them to do, right? They really didn't understand or, or cared to ask about. They're too busy running their business, right? <laughs> if, the, if, the, if the CPA said, I want you to make this quarterly estimate, they would do it, Gary, right? No questions asked. Right. Um, but then what we realized is when you go into retirement, uh, you know, a lot of people don't understand the concept. And, you know, and 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 we always say, you know, let's be smart about things. We're very active planners at the estate planning team. And, and the idea of active planning is that just because what you did last year doesn't necessarily mean that's what you're going to do this year or or what you're going to do next year. All right. Um, your your financial life changes you know, you go through those phases. You go from working to retirement. In your retirement, then you're going for maybe before you're starting collecting Social Security, maybe then when you start Social Security, and then maybe before you start required minimum distributions, and then after you start required minimum distributions. So, so you're always constantly changing. Well, some of the, uh, you know, what you need to be doing for taxes could be changing as well. Some years you get of overpayment. A refund, and we always say, well, that's not maybe the best plan, even though you love getting refunds, right? It may not be the best financial plan. Um, so we'll talk about that a little bit today. But before that, we did get some um, economic news, Carrie, right? And I, I, don't, I don't have time to go through it all, but just the trade deficit, all right? A lot of people are getting upset about the trade deficit. All right. Um, And so February, we got this week, we got February's trade deficit numbers. And of course, it's a record high, which is, you know, again, not good news to everybody. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So the trade deficit jumped 4.8% to a record 71.1 billion in February, the Commerce Department, okay, is telling us. Um, Economists polled, you know, they had a forecast of about 70.5. 
So it came in, you know, a little bit worse than what was forecasted. Um, the goods trade gap was also the highest on record. Okay. Um, now, so, you know, a lot of people are saying this is the end of the world. In other words, the, the trade deficit, um, you know, is, is not a good, you know, uh, for our financial future in this country. Right. It, 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 and, you know, just like we've been talking about on this show about people are worried about inflation, Carrie, right, for example, right? Um, this is another one. Or the debt. You know, this is more the, the, the trade deficit, right? Um, now, it's interesting because the report says um, the U.S. deficit has been widening fairly, fairly consistently on a monthly basis since reaching more than a three-year low in February of 2020. Hmm, Carrie, did anything unusual mm. happen around February of 2020? Mm. Uh, maybe the Rona shutdown? Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, you think there's a little coincidence there? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, and, 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 you know, and a lot of people, and, but, but <laughs> it was really, though, it was, it was, it was doing better. You know, actually, uh, President Trump, remember, he ran in 2016. One of his, you know, uh, campaign premises was, I am going to shrink the trade deficit. Mm-hmm. Um, and his plan was working. Okay. Um, you, you know, so let's change what works. Hmm. Okay. Um, and you know, it, it, you know, and, and so, but when the Rona hit, it all changed. Right. Um, okay. Now, but some economists carry say, really say the trade deficits are not really bad for the economy. Okay. I mean, it, 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 they say it can, it can, Ill, it can, you know, prove that there may be a global imbalance, um, but it, you know, or maybe there's some stalling of productivity, but it's not necessarily the end of the world, right? Um, now, but you'll hear a lot of people talk about, Carrie, the twin deficits. So have you heard of the twin deficits? No, okay. I have not. So the twin deficits is that combination of when a country has is both you know has a fiscal deficit so a fiscal deficit carry is like when the, there's a budget shortfall mm-hmm. okay um you know a, um you know a current account deficit roughly speaking means a country is sending more you know um well yeah you know here let's see um yeah a fiscal deficit a budget deficit occurs when a nation's spending exceeds its revenues okay so the U.S. has been running fiscal deficits for every year for decades, right? Um, a current account deficit, that's when they're really talking about th- it's more of the trading imbalance, right? Um, meaning when the country is sending more money overseas for goods and services than is receiving. So those are the two deficits. One being a fiscal deficit, which is based okay. on the budget. One being a trade deficit, you know, that they're, we're exporting. I mean, we're, you know, importing a lot more than we're exporting. Okay, so when a country is both of those are negative, that's usually a red flag, as opposed to a country who was who's got surpluses in both those, you know, okay. economy. You know, and China, for example, has often cited as a nation who always they always say, that, you know, over long term they've got surpluses in both that. Yeah, obviously everybody knows China okay. sends more to us and we buy from China. Right, that's a problem. Okay, um, now. So, um, so the, the question is when, how long can a country run deficits, the twin deficits, you know, both that, you know, is that sustaining? Okay. Um, and so you hear a lot of talk about that these days. Um, now here's, um, well, okay, let's see the truth about current accounts, you know, or trade deficits. It isn't, isn't a simple solution. Okay. Um, you know, in, in practice, a current account deficit, that's the trade imbalance, can be reflected that the country is an attractive destination for investment, as in the case with the U.S. Okay, um, so consider the advanced economies such as the U.S. often run current account deficits, while developing economies, you know, typically run surpluses. So, it, it, you know, it's just saying that because everybody, you know, you know, in other words, Americans, we've got money to spend, but we like deals, Right. 
we like cheap. We like to buy things on sale. We like to, we don't like you know. So if we can buy and we manufacture this stuff in China and we can get it for cheaper, Americans are usually on board with that, right? Um, you know, so so it, it's kind of thing. So now, so is this bad news? Is this worrisome news? Well, you know, Richard Clarida, who is the uh, vice chair of the Federal Reserve, Kerry. You know, he's you know Chairman Powell, right? By the way, Chairman Powell this week said he's not worried about the deficit. He's not worried about inflation. He's not worried about anything. Well, he keeps saying that, but um, but you know, I also heard Richard Clarida. You know, again, smart guy, Carrie. You know, sixty three years old, Harvard doctorate. You know, not smart guy, right? These are smart people run the Feds, Carrie. Did I ever tell you that? Mm-hmm. Right um, now, um, so they were. I heard him interviewed on Bloomberg this week, and they were asking him. You, you know. Um, you know, in other words, what's different this time? You know, we've had recessions before, but we've never spent money like this before, right? We, is, does anybody care about the debt or the deficits? And why, if we were worried about it at one time, why are we no longer worried about it now? Right? You know, the old idea, it's different this time. Well, why is it different this time? Well, you know, he kind of responded, well, the Rona recession is what's different. Okay, it, it's it, nothing like that had ever happened before where it, the, the, it was a mandatory shutdown of a of a booming economy. All right. Um, and he said, you know, the other thing, too, is, you, you know, for, you know, since the Great Recession, right, the Federal Reserve had always had a target or a future outlook where they wanted inflation carry to be 2%. They never got there, right? You know, they were always stymied, you know, after 10, 11 years, they still, you know, the recession, the Great Recession was over. We, we, everyone was back to work. We had a new start, you know, but, but we didn't have inflation. And, and, and so they had, so they had a change and, and they said, well, we're no longer going to be out looking in the future. We're going to be outcome based. In other words, we're saying we're not going to make, you know, monetary movements until we see far, from data that inflation is above 2%. We're not going to try to, you know, keep it below that by making moves we're not going to move too early we're going to wait and then when we see you know data that says yeah it is sustainably over two percent and and he's saying now he like chairman powell's been saying for a long time is that yeah we're gonna have inflation this year does every does everybody hear that we are going to have inflation a lot of you are saying mark you don't have to tell me that i see it at the gas pump i see it at the grocery store yeah but the Federal Reserve keeps saying it's transitory, meaning it's it's the Rona recovery spending. It's it's the helicopter money. It's the backup of demand. It's the you know getting the business open. It's 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 the revenge spending. You know, there's going to be inflation. There's going to be inflation this year. There's going to be inflation next year. But what they're saying is it's it's not sustaining. Okay, we're not going down the pathway where we're going to need wheelbarrows of paper money to buy a loaf of bread. All right, um, you know, so we sometimes we call that hyperinflation, right? Um, you know, it, Richard, it was saying, you know, the Fed still has a dual mandate. They want a strong labor force. Now we don't know what maximum employment means anymore. Is it? Unemployment at 4%? Is it a 3% unemployment? They won't define it, right? Um, and so that's the word, strong labor force. And the second you know, mandate is a price stability. Now, they like the, the idea of a 2% inflation, but they'll let it float above and below that without you know triggering without jumping off the bridge right you know um and you know and what does it mean above that well does that mean two and a quarter percent does that mean two and a half percent do i hear three i don't know but the idea is when they see it get there then they'll you know react right um and they say they've got tools to use so i'd be saying well are you you know <laughs> is that just the idea that um <laughs> you know, that uh, you're you're acting too late as opposed to acting too early. And they're saying, no, we'll, you know, they're not worried about that. Um, and then, well, then the question is, well, how do you know that you're not too late, right, Carrie? That's what everybody's worried about. Um, and, you know, again, they're saying, well, we'll see the data. In other words, right now they're saying, you know, we expect inflation to go up. This year, maybe through bid next year. 
but then they'll wait and see if inflation does or does not come back down in the second half of next year. And depending on what that data shows, maybe then they'll, you know, kind of react a little bit, right? Um, when they asked, you know, uh, you know, Vice Chair, you know, Clarida, what is, is he worried about the twin deficit concern? Um, he, you know, he basically said no. Um, you know, the, the, uh, you know, when you have this strong U.S. recovery, but, but much stronger and quicker than anywhere else globally, right, Gary? Um, it's going to add to the trade deficit. That, that's expected. Um, but again, he's saying this is more of a transitory, um, you know, reaction to the Rona recovery than a permanent shift in global uh, economics. And, you know, it, will, it should, um, you know, get back to the norms after that. So. Who do you believe, Carrie? Um, well, I think it doesn't matter who I believe. It matters what can I do about it. Because honestly, if I can't do anything about it, it's how is it going to impact my life? Or what am I worried about? And how do I address those worries from concrete action steps? Yeah. And, and so how do we deal with that for our clients who do say, well, Mark, well, okay, I'm not, I think we maybe inflation's going to be a little bit worse than what the Fed chair and, and you know, Treasury Secretary Yellen and, and, and Joe Biden and his economic councils are saying. Okay, well, then we can do that. We can run a model, you know, for you that says, okay, here's, here's plan A, assuming that we have, you know, maybe a 25 to 3% inflation rate for the next couple of years, then it settles back down to 2 um, or we can run one much worse case scenario where we you say, Mark, you know, you you choose how much of inflation you want to run. And by the way, on what expenses do you want to put on that inflation? On all your expenses, on your daily living expenses, on your health insurance expenses. See, that's that's getting, you know, you know, to the detail. That's where, you, you know, the modeling, the robots come in handy. In other words, the robots, you know, doesn't know what inflation is going to be, but the robots can illustrate if you want to assume a worst case scenario, then let's run that. And then let's see under that worst case scenario, does it materially affect your financial future? Meaning, does it mean you have to work longer than what you were planning? Does it mean, let's say you're already retired. Does it mean you have to cut back? on discretionary spending if if uh you know if you still want your plan lasting to age 90 95 or do i hear 100 all right so so that is where you know you're running these different models that leaves you in the decision making mode but you're also by having these plan scenarios these you know formal custom plan scenarios you can keep track of things all right. You know, just like, you know, the Federal Reserve, you know, they have models of what they think is going to happen. But, you know, the old axiom, you know, all models are wrong, Carrie, but some are useful. Mm-hmm. The idea is once reality changes an assumption that you made, you know how to go in and manipulate your plan accordingly. Just like the Federal Reserve is saying, when we see the data, you know, come in that says, you know, that that inflation is on the rise, not, you know, transitory anymore. I guess, you know, it's transitory to what's not, Gary. Right. right. Um, the idea is then we react. And, we, and as long as you're watching it, it won't be too little too late. All right. And those are things that we can help with at the estate planning team. We're traditional financial planner number crunchers that provide that people that objective, unbiased analysis, whether it's a full comprehensive plan, helping through every part of the financial life and addressing the worries, concerns, income expenses, growth rates, uh, and looking at all of these things. Or people who come in specific issues and want timing of Social Security is a big one, pension elections, IRA distribution planning, Roth conversions, contributions. How much should I be contributing to my company plan or now I have a Roth 401k you know what percentage and looking at the cumulative tax impact and coordinating with your other advisors but we're here to help we've seen it um, and we're the um, the estate planning team again has been around a long time and offers a free consultation 
by phone or in person. And by the way, we're not investment advisors, but we do look at your assets in terms of risk growth and tax efficiency. So if you already have an investment advisor or you do the investments on your own, there are areas that we might be able to help you with. And again, the consultations are being done by phone or in person, whichever you prefer. You can give us a call at 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. That's 440-239-2090, or the website is financialfoodforthought.com. All right, listen to Mark Dolly and Carrie Waddell, and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. And as we said, the estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 35 years. And over those decades, Carrie, we've certainly helped a lot of our clients understand estimated tax payments, right? Um, and it, it, so it's just the idea that, you know, we, we, we're not big proponents of getting big refunds every year. All right. Um, because to us, it just means you gave, you know, interest free loan to the government. Now, last year, some of you did get interest on your refund, but that was an unusual Rona, you know, because, Mm -hmm. because they extended the returns to July 15th last year. And so, so, so the refunds by that were late getting out, you know, because I, you know, because the IRS was shut down in the middle of that, you know, so it, you know, the idea was the government in their, you know, generosity decided to pay interest on the 2020 refunds. Now, a lot of people got a little surprised when they got a, a 1099 interest, not realizing that the interest they received was taxable. But that's another story. Um, but but normally, the government doesn't pay interest on refunds, right? Um, so, and then then people, and, and a lot of our, our, our new clients come in, they don't understand that, you know, it's okay to owe money on April 15th, you know, the due date of the tax return, unless you owe too much. Okay, because if you owe too much on April 15th, then you could be charged an underestimated interest penalty. Right, Gary. Um, And but, you know, it it, now you say, well, Mark, how much is too much? You know, how much do I how short am I on April 15th before I'm charged an underestimated interest? Right. Well, this is where we talk about the concept of tax safe harbors or estimated tax safe harbors. Right. And generally, there's two of them out there and there's some, you know, a further, um, you know, branch off on one of them, which we'll talk about. But generally, the two safe harbors are the previous year safe harbor and the current year safe harbor. And the idea is as long as you meet one of these two safe harbors. And by the way, you don't have to tell the IRS which one you're using. It's just that, at you know, at the end, when you file your return and you owe money with your final return, as long as you meet one, you know, as long as you can prove that you meet one of these safe harbors and the IRS robots are doing that, you don't have, you know, you're not charged any interest penalty, right? Now, the previous year's safe harbor is, um, you know, pretty, is, let's talk about that one first, Carrie, because by the way, that's what most people use, or I should say, that's what most robots default to. Well, it's, it's, it's a known. <laughs> it's a known number. And There's no guesswork okay, or assumptions. So basically that rule says, hey, as long as you have paid in timely at least 100% of your previous year's tax liability, you're covered under the previous year's safe harbor. Now, there's one caveat to that rule that says if in the previous year your adjusted gross income was in excess of $150,000, okay, you are now deemed to be a high-income taxpayer, and in that case, you have to pay 110% of your previous year to be covered by that safe harbor. That's for federal. Ohio just has the 100% rule. Ohio does not have a 110% rule. All right? Um, and so that's that's always, you know, your safe your safe bet to go, right, Gary? In other words, so the general rule is if you think that this year's tax is going to be as much or more than last year's tax, just go with the previous year's safe harbor. However, what happens if you knew for sure that this year's tax was going to be a lot lower than last year, i.e. you were employed last year and this year is your first year of retirement? 
Okay. Well, then you might not want to follow the previous year safe harbor, or you may say, hey, that's unfair. Why would I have to pay 110% of last year when I know I'm not going to have that type of tax liability this year? The government gets that, right? Mm -hmm. That's why they give you a second option, which is the current year safe harbor. And under the current year safe harbor, as long as you've got at least 90% of your actual tax liability paid in timely, you're covered. Now, it's much harder, right, on a current year safe harbor because that's not a known number. Right. There's some things that you don't know until the year's over, like maybe capital gains. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you if you've got a gig job, you know, I'm not exactly sure what you're you know, how much money you're going to make. Um, it could be, yeah, you said capital gains could be, you know, you won the lottery. Oh, wouldn't that be a nice problem? Um, so, yeah. So it so that's why they give you that 10 percent buffer. So they say, yeah, we understand that, you you know, you thought dividends were going to be X. They came in a little bit higher or capital gains or something like that. So that's why you have that 90 percent. You've got that 10 percent buffer. All right. Um, now, um, is so so back to, you know, so generally that's what you kind of want to keep, you know, re, re, in mind. You know, um, again, you know, that you if you think that this year's tax is going to be as much or more than last year, you might just want to go with the previous year safe harbor. If you know for sure that this year's tax is going to be less than last year, you might want to switch over to go with current year safe harbor. Um, Now, sometimes, though, you know, you could get caught in between, Carrie, right? For example, you could have a taxpayer who is on a current year safe harbor, Carrie, right? But they get a surprise at the end of the year, like they won the lottery. Mm-hmm. All right, um, and so now it, you know, it, it, you know they, they they're not covered anymore because what they were paying in and estimated taxes was based on what they thought their tax income, and now they had this windfall, but now they're way short, even beyond the ten percent buffer. Okay, so what do those people do? Well, there may be relief for that situation, and it gets into what we call the annualization method. And that's where you'd have to work with your uh, tax accountant, CPA, or, you know, enrolled agent or or the software, where you you have to kind of like analyze, you have to break down your income on a quarterly basis. And then, you know, so you're kind of splitting up and saying, well, this is how my income really came in during the four quarters of the year. And you can see I had this big income in the fourth quarter that I wasn't expecting. So my first three quarter estimates were this, but then I'm getting caught up on my fourth quarter estimate. So there, so, you know, there's some offshoots there. Now I keep saying timely payments, Carrie, right? So, you know, cause that confu- you know, there's some confusion over that for our clients. Um, now, so there's basically right two ways, right? That you can, pay the government your taxes. One is but through withholding, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, withholding, If obviously, if you're working, W-2 employee, you're very familiar with withholding. And it happens throughout the year. In retirement, you may be taking an IRA distribution, and you can make a withholding election on your IRA distribution. Um, you know, you may be, um, you may be taking, an, maybe you have a pension. Okay, going into retirement. And so you get to make a withholding election on your pension. Um, If you're collecting Social Security, you can make a federal withholding election on Social Security, for example. Right. If you have annuities and whether annuities are in your IRA or your non-qualified, we call a non-qualified annuity. um, That's another um, type of income that you can make a withholding election on. Now, generally you know, for those things I just mentioned, uh, also, you know, 401ks carry all the qualified plans. They'll all, most of them, well, all of them will support federal withholding, but being an Ohio taxpayer, not, oh, not all of them may support Ohio withholding. Okay. See, Ohio doesn't require them to. So if you're, if your IRA, um, you know, custodian, you know, if they do, you know, support Ohio withholding, it's more of a customer service. It's not a requirement that the state of Ohio places on them. So you sometimes you need to find that out. 
So, you know, the idea is saying, okay, I've got this, um, you know, but I've got this withholding. And, and the beauty of withholding, Carrie, is in terms of timeliness, as long as it's withheld by December 31st, the government treats it as coming in evenly throughout the whole year. Mm-hmm. That's a big advantage. Okay. So in other words, let's say you were working and you realize that you, you got a pay increase, you know, in, in July and you better do more withholding right. to cover the pay increase. You can adjust your withholding for the second half of the year. When the W-2 goes to the government, they don't break it down. They just say how much was your total wages for the year and, and right. how much was withheld. And they just treat it as coming evenly. Quarterly estimates aren't treated that way. Now, remember the four quarterly estimated due dates, Carrie, right? April 15th, June 15th, September 15th, and January 15th. Right. right? They are timed. Okay. It's very easy for the government to keep track of those because they're, you're sending them a coupon with a check that's all dated. Mm -hmm. All right. So they do keep track. In other words, you if you were, you know, and, and the general, you know, the, the theory is if, you know, you owe $100 in taxes and you're going to pay it by quarterly estimates, that's your safe harbor, let's right. say, you pay $25 on each of the four quarters. But if you blow off the first three quarters and just make a $100 payment on the fourth quarter, yes, you could be deemed untimely because mm-hmm. you didn't pay it evenly throughout the whole year. Whereas the opposite with with withholding, let's say you didn't had no withholding done for the first, you know, for the first, you know, 11 months. But then in the 12th month, you took an IRA distribution and had your hundred dollars of withholding. That is considered coming in evenly throughout the whole Mm -hmm. year. So you may, you know, so think about that when and that and that's sometimes how you can get caught up on. You know, if you if you were um, if you think that you're getting into the end of the year and you may be under um, paid in estimated taxes. Um, now, so and I'll talk more about this, I, I but I wanted to kind of, you know, give, a, a, you know, how this comes into play in real client situations, Carrie. Right. Um, because, you know. The other idea, too, is, is this year that we've got this situation where the federal returns are extended to May 17th, Monday, May 17th. But yet the first quarter estimates for 2021 are still due April 15th. Mm-hmm. So if you think about this, normally, if you were if if you were just planning on using the previous year safe harbor, you have to kind of get your tax return from the previous year done to know what your previous year safe harbor is to make your first quarter estimate. Well, now you see the problem, right? Um, because if if the if the return if the previous year's return isn't done, you don't have that to rely on. Um, now, so so we're having a lot of discussions and and. and our, our clients are, you know, we're working with their tax preparers, you know, and saying, okay, what are you going to do? Are you going to try to guesstimate what the first quarter estimate should be? Or, you know, is there another solution out there? For example, um, we had, you know, um, one of our clients and they gave us a call because their CPA had prepared the 2020 return. Um was 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 working on the twenty twenty right. return, and the um and but they got back and said, well, you know, we we haven't till May seventeenth, but we still got to make a quarterly estimate on April fifteenth. So the, what the CPA was kind of indicating was saying, I really don't know what to tell you to make, um, but you know, I, I you know. <laughs> If if I'm I'm guessing the return isn't done yet, but this is what I think your previous year's tax is going to be. So let's do that. Or they said, but if you want me to work up a current year safe harbor, I'm going to need more information. But in either case, you know, get ready to pay, you know, and, and, and the client was thinking, you know, they had until May 17th to decide this. Right, Carrie? Not realizing that, hey, April 15th is coming up pretty so. They called us. And now, so here's the thing. See, remember I said it, what you did last year, but not what we did this year. See, this is the problem with some of the robots out there as well. You know, the software that, that's running tax returns. They might not be asking you the right questions. The other thing, too, is 
they may be assuming that whatever happened last year is going to happen this year, specifically in terms of withholding carry and estimated payments, mm-hmm. right? See, last year, this particular client, okay, had, you know, didn't have any withholding because the required minimum distributions were suspended. And they usually did the withholding through the IRA distributions, which is a we do for a lot of our clients and coordinate with their tax preparers. Right. So when, yeah, so when, so this year, the role, you know, that's, you know, they were assuming that same assumption. Now, it was still a high tax because what the client did, instead of taking the required minimum distribution carry, he did a Roth conversion. Okay. So the tax was, the, the IRA distribution still showed up on the return, but we purposely did no withholding on it because, as you know, when you're doing Roth conversions, you would rather pay, you, you don't want to do withholding on the Roth conversion. It kind of washes out some of the benefit. If, if I just confused you, come in for a consultation, I'll explain that to you. Um, so the idea is, that's why last year he was making quarterly estimates. We had that planned. But this year, RMDs are back. Mm-hmm. Okay, and this client has plenty of RMDs to do the withholding that he needs. By the way, you you know you say, well, Mark, well, why isn't he just if he doesn't need his RMD, why doesn't he just convert that to Roth IRA? Well, because the law doesn't allow that. The law doesn't allow you to convert your required minimum distribution to Roth IRA. By the way, if you're planning on doing Roth IRA conversions on top of your required minimum, that is allowed, but you've got to get your required minimums done first. And you should do it in two separate transactions. Oh, well, yeah, you have to do it. I mean, I'm just saying, or when people do, I mean, you should do it, right. document so, it in detail. So, the, but now this year, we're saying, you know, you know, and so now, so here our clients were worried about, oh, you know, I got to come up with this April 15th estimate. I got to, I got to do those silly coupons and I got to write a check and that's going to take out of my cash flow and, and, you know, and stuff like that. And we just said, well, no, let's just relax for a minute. Right. And how many people don't know what they're estimated? They're just guessing. So right. if you have those IRAs and you haven't taken the minimum, that's a way to deal. Or if you're planning on doing a, an IRA distribution and you're still not subject to minimum, you're not there yet, you can still do it through withholding. And now, we, so by, and, and so we work out the plan. We're saying, okay, we know what your RMD is. We know that we, we, you know, how much you need for cash flow, how much you don't need for cash flow. We need, we now know, you know, leave enough in your back pocket to cover the withholding to meet one of your safe harbors. Also, by, by putting this off into the future, you the, the the you have the benefit of getting reality. In other words, they're you know the, the the CPA working with our clients are going to be in a much better position in November to know whether he should be using a previous year safe harbor or right. a current year safe harbor, so they can you know dial in on that. Plus, the money is working for him all year. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then as long as it's withheld by December thirty first, he's got his safe harbor covered, and he has he doesn't have to do those silly coupons better solution that's what we help our clients with yeah looking at options and strategies to get the best results for our clients call for a free consultation to see if we can help you Um, and we're doing those by phone or in person call 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com Tune in next week for more Financial Food for Thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening.